Well, hello out there, and welcome in to DNVR Watches The Mandalorian. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. With me today, producer Kale and producer Guy. You're used to seeing them behind the camera, jumping out in front of the camera, and on the microphone today. Because who doesn't love talking a little bit of Star Wars? You know, we had seen a lot of people in our timelines on social media, in our Discord chat at DNVR.com. Loving the Mandalorian, we've been watching it. We figure, why not talk about it? This is something that we wanted to do to continue to create community here with the DNVR family. And so figured if this is something we're all hanging out and talking about, we may as well do it. And we may as well do it in the way that we know how. Gentlemen, of course, we are people outset here and uh, we know how to cover things in a post-game style fashion and we want to bring people in who you know maybe originally are going oh yeah i love the mandalorian too why do i want to listen you guys talk about the mandalorian well we're going to come at it with a little bit of a fresh perspective and and sort of do this like it's a a post-game show so that i think is going to be quite a bit of fun and one of the ways that we're going to do that is to bring the colorado sports fan audience in uh, with a Colorado crossover each week that we do the episode. And I wanted to begin there and, and share mine with you guys before we, we get you in here and see how you're feeling about the season so far, about the show so far, as we talk about the first two episodes of season two. And for me, it was that, you know, coming into this season, the second season reminded me a lot of how I felt coming into the 2008 Colorado Rockies season after all of the joy and elation and everything that came with 2007, uh, which is how I felt about season one of The Mandalorian being so good and in some ways almost feeling like it came out of nowhere. And then approaching this next season with both a, a mix of like excitement, but also anxiety and, and trepidation about ways that this could go wrong now that expectations are so high. Uh, Guy, you know, is it, does that match at all your experience or uh, you, you have a different sort of feel for how this is going? Um, I wouldn't say it's better or worse. I'd say it's kind of just like uh, par for the course, really. But I think for Star Wars, that's actually a good thing, considering the way that the prequels went and my own feelings about um, the new trilogy. I'm not sure how you refer to that, but... <laughs> Um, I think yeah, they've been keeping in the spirit of the original um, episodes four through six. And that for me is better than anything else. I honestly, I didn't need them to, you know, jump the shark or anything. I didn't need it to be fantastic. I just wanted to keep with, uh, uh, with the originals because that is like, you know, it captures that sense of nostalgia growing up when we first watched it. Um, so for me, I've, I've been loving it, but it hasn't been anything that's, you know, Oscar worthy necessarily, or I guess Emmy worthy in this con in this uh, context, um, sure. but for me that's more than good enough. Kale, yeah, um, I like your analogy. First of all, um, I also just want to do a quick. We are going to get into spoilers on this episode, so oh, right. about <laughs> that, 
Yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, I'm about to mention yeah. one, so uh, that's why I did <laughs> <laughs> Good call, good call. Uh, good call, yeah. Uh, but I've really enjoyed this season so far. Nothing world-beating. I have one overarching complaint, which we'll get into later. But other than that, they've both been a ton of fun. I've been having a lot of fun with them, and that's really all I ask out of my Star Wars. It's, you know, popcorn. Uh, it's like popcorn entertainment for me. I want to sit down with a bag of popcorn and some candy and some soda and eat it, just like I'm in a movie theater. And it's been fun like that, and I haven't expected exactly, it yeah. to be anything you know that is making me intellectually inspired. That's not what I'm really looking for out of my Star Wars right now. So, yeah, I mean, since this is our first episode, briefly, and since, since Guy brought it up, you know, I'll just share my experiences with it very quickly. I'm, I'm generally very pro the Star Wars experience. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people haven't been as hot either on the prequels or on the newest movies. And again, we do have to figure out what we're calling that this most recent, the Disney trilogy, I guess, is I, what. Yeah, I think I was about to say, I think people call it the Disney trilogy is what right. most people refer to it as. Yeah. There's going to be more Disney movies, so at some point that's not going to work. But I, what I, yeah, so let, so if we if we call it that, right? Like just just straight up, I enjoyed each one of those movies. Yeah, I know people absolutely hate some of them. It depends on who you ask, which that's ones. Me, yeah. That's the way it was. Prequels, <laughs> and and for me, it's because it's just like I I like a lot of different types of Star Wars, but I I will agree with the general consensus that this type of star wars the mandalorian which is in the same genre and feel of the original trilogy as you said guy is when star wars is at its best when it's sort of um a gritty western uh in space right and and that yep. there and i and i would i would maybe even push back a little bit on Certainly not necessarily being like award worthy in, in the sense of like, oh man, the dialogue, the script writing, or like, you know, anything like that. But I, I do feel like for the first time in a long time, while I've always felt Star Wars has been at least good, even when people are like, this sucks, because they've got a very like personal disconnect with something in it. This, I think, is the most award worthy it's been in a very long time. And I think that's why it's it's been so exciting to see. It's like even if you've enjoyed the the recent movies, like I have, you yeah. can still admit that the Mandalorian is bringing something far more. Like the second episode that we're about to talk about here was directed by Peyton Reed, the director of Ant Man. Uh, he, he's got a very successful career. The guy's done a lot of great things, and for him yeah. to just stop by and direct an episode of your show. Uh, because we should probably start with episode one, right? Just because that we, says the context for episode two as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we'll do a little more on on two, but let's let's go ahead and, and step back there a little bit. And why don't we do some uh, favorite moments from the first episode? Uh, for me, I'd say it's the uh, when they introduced the R five droid. I don't know if you remember. Have you ever seen any of the? Um, Robot Chicken uh, spoofs of uh, Star Wars. They this really okay, yeah, it's been a while, about, but yeah. So in episode four, uh, when they're on Tatooine and Luke is still, you know, he's still with his aunt and uncle, um, they have an R5 droid that they're trying to sell to the Jawas, and they, they say it has a bad motivator. 
And then the uh, like the robot chicken spoof is like the R5 droid laying on the couch. He's like super lazy. And the joke <laughs> is that he has a bad motivator. They bring in the R5 droid in the first episode of uh, season two. And they say the same thing about how he has a bad motivator. And that was like, that for me was my personal favorite point. Um, wow. It was like a very subtle callback. Yeah, that's but a good for me, as soon as I saw it and I heard that, I was just like, yes, thank you. Because like, if we go back and we talk about you know, I guess we'll call them the the Disney trilogy. Um, in episode seven, all those callbacks that they did were so just like on the nose and like in your face. And after a while, to me at least, they started to get a little obnoxious. It's just like everyone in the theater is like cheering for every single callback. And it's like, all right, man, this is like eating candy for dinner. Like at first it tastes really good, but then it's just, it's a little bit too much after a while. So I like a little bit more subtlety in my homages, but... For me, that subtle callback in episode that's, one, I thought was fantastic. That's extremely subtle. Yeah, <laughs> for me, I love yeah. it. I know that everyone's going to geek out because it's like, oh, Boba Fett's armor and all this other stuff. Because, you know, Boba Fett has that, like, cult sort of, uh, I don't know, cult status yeah. um, within the Star Wars universe and the fandom, um, which that was fantastic. But for me, it was it was that R5 droid. So that's just me. Um. My favorite moment, quote unquote, of the first episode is just the entire like final battle sequence with yeah. the dragon, um, with the yeah. great dragon. I think it's just really, really well done. And the animation and the visual effects were really, really well done. And yeah. it was just really, really entertaining television, frankly. You know, it was really cool. I don't know if anybody else noticed this. Um, so they they're pretty standard on like they do like the letterbox. Um, but when they start that battle, if you go back and rewatch it, this is something that I noticed that kind of caught me off guard, but I thought it was really well done. If you notice, as soon as they start that battle, once the crate Dragon comes out of its like lair, which was the Sarlacc pit, the abandoned Sarlacc pit, they actually open it all the way up to full screen. And then once oh, the battle cool. ends, they bring it back into Letterbox. But it gives this like grandiose, like it makes everything look bigger and more intense. Like you'll see oh. it if you go back and rewatch it. Yeah, that's and really they, cool. Like, actually, they zoom in on um, on the guy's face. I forget his name. The guy that was wearing Boba Fett's armor that the Mandalorian had to then right. own back. They zoom in on his face, and all of a sudden he's like full screen, and everything looks bigger and more intense. And then after the battle, they go back into the letterbox and make it look more of like that standard Western. Um, but for that battle scene, they had it like full screen, and it made things look really cool man i thought yeah. it was like you said That's the visual really effects cool. and everything else were like they're pretty incredible for that one because there have been some other times when they've been a little bit lacking but for that battle i thought that they were fantastic so yeah. well done um that's amazing and, yeah I'll, I'll have to go back and take note of that yeah, uh, another thing i just really liked about that battle and that the episode in general was the humanity that they were able to quote-unquote humanity they were able to bring to the sand people um, I thought totally. that was really cool. I thought that was really cool and like yeah. not necessary necessarily, but it gave a depth to the Star Wars universe that I thought was really nice as a fan of the wider Star Wars lore. I saw something uh, on Twitter and I, I didn't read the entire article, so I'm passing along half information, which I'm usually not a huge fan of, but whatever. <laughs> that, uh, that they had brought on sign language experts. There's a whole story about why they decided to, to do sign language in the episode and um, how many people out there, you know, obviously really, really appreciated it. Just being like, oh, wow, suddenly I'm included in the Star Wars universe. There's people speaking sign language. I think that uh, that was really cool. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was super cool mm-hmm. as well. Also, and then I'll just take call back in that one too when they have like the they have the Tuscan Raiders riding in single file. I don't know if you remember from episode four as well. Yeah. Because this is basically like this is Tatooine, right? Yeah. So it, they're going yeah. back to Tatooine and they're talking about how they ride single file to hide their numbers. I thought that was yeah. fantastic too. Yeah. It's those subtle callbacks for me. I don't like that blunt like in your face, like, look what we did. But it's like it's the very small things. Or it's like if you've been a fan, it's just kind of like um, it's like a little wink, you know. It's not something yeah. it's like in your face, like shouting it at you. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind either. Uh, I think every once in a while you've got it. You know, that comes from the world of comic books a little bit. I think too. Comic books are really big about hey, look at what we're doing. <laughs> uh, you know, so so I get it, but uh, I understand that too. If, since you guys took those ones, I'll just go ahead and go with the introduction of Cobb Vanth. Um, you know, I think. I've enjoyed a lot of the guest characters throughout the series so far, um, but I also feel like some of them have just sort of been like, eh, it was fine. You know, you were entertaining enough while you were on the screen, but I don't feel the need to see any more of like Bill Burr's character from season one. Like, it was fine, but I don't need any more of him. Um, the other sort of, there was there was another one who was kind of like this and, and this tells you how memorable he was from season one where he, he was in Tatooine. They sort of had an episode with him and he was supposed to be another roguelike character that just did not stick was there and gone. And Cobb Vanth, I felt from the second he walked on screen was just oozing charisma, uh, had a, a clear story there, a past. And you want to see him again. Like you're like the second the episode was over, you're like, we better get more from this guy. Cause yeah, you know, you're guns <laughs> and, and, and making it happen. I'm digging everything going on with that character. Well, I think he also, um, like you said before, with you know the Western style feel. I feel like he added a lot in that element as well, especially yeah. when you're talking about like it's on Tatooine, which is like a desert planet, and then you've got like the um, like you've got like that little um, like it's like a little town, right? That's like it's being plagued by like a larger thing, and there's like the Tuscan Raiders that are attacking and everything. It's a very um, it's like a very Western motif. Right. I feel like he, as an actor, he kind of, like, his just, like, his persona is very Western. So I feel like it really helps solidify that, kind of, like, that gritty feel. Um, so, yeah, I, I yeah. agree with you. I thought he was fantastic. I knew, because, like, they introduced him with the helmet and everything. And I knew as soon as I heard his voice, I was like, oh, I know that actor. It's that so guy. So I thought it was fantastic. When he, yeah, when he pulled it off, I was like, oh, yeah, that's fucking, that's dope, man. It was a good choice. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So the other thing I wanted to get into before we get to uh, a little more of the second episode was, like I said, we're, we're sports people here. So we got to have a play of the game. We got to talk about uh, the most, you know, Mando doing all kinds of uh, athletic. Oh, and he muted. Oh, he muted. <laughs> I had like a weird glitch there for a second. I think I'm back. So. Um yeah, so um, at the beginning of the, the first episode of season one, uh, for example, his recovery from that initial bandit attack, an extraordinary display of athleticism to recover from that, fend off several bandits. But then athleticism can also be IQ. We talk about sports IQ and everything that we do. You, you, you got to know the game that you're playing. So uh, to, to get the child back by finishing the battle, attaching 
the jetpack <laughs> to, to, to dude and just watching him fly off of there. Solid way to, to get a little game IQ at the end of your athletic play. Full full W for Mando right there. Are we talking about episode two? Yeah. Was that I, oh, yeah I said episode one. Yeah, the start of episode two. That's that's the athletic play of the season so far for me. Uh, so for me, it would be the recovery from getting like the when he's on the on the jet bike. On the I was going to say the same thing. His, the he didn't. And he jumps off. He, of it. Just he the, didn't eat it like yeah. at all. That was so athletic. Yeah, using the jetpack to recover from that. That for me is. I thought that was good, man. That was so brilliant. Yeah, like we're gonna need to start putting together a highlight package. We'll it was highlight also just like badass. Like when it happened on the screen, I was like, "Yeah, man." Like, <laughs> like lit. <laughs> I was uh, I was a little frustrated at uh, and and it's like he's got a baby in one arm and like a strap of eggs on his back in the other. But when he's running from the spiders, a lack of like shooting in directions that I thought made sense. <laughs> Largely <laughs> off that's camera. Kind of- it's just that's just Star Wars though. That's part of the thing though that is yeah. like, like stormtroopers can't aim. That's just like a that's a fact, right. you know that right. sort of stuff. Where it's just like it doesn't need to be. Again, it's not like you know it's not James Bond where you can hit like any target from like you know a mile away with a pistol, and right. it's not like you know Mission Impossible. It's like it's its own thing, and it has like that quirk where some things like they don't really like make sense necessarily. But within the verisimilitude of this uh, universe, it's just it's in keeping with it. So totally. Uh, all right, what else we got on the list? Uh, let's uh, do some least favorite moments. We've been talking it up quite a bit. Let's talk about yeah. some criticisms. Kale, you mentioned earlier you've got sort of an overarching one. Yeah, it's sort of an overarching. Um, so I, I'll preface this by saying, like, this is a pretty big complaint, but I will preface this by saying I've enjoyed both episodes, um, but they're totally kind of all over the place. And I think the tone goes from wacky, silly comedy to hardcore Western to we're in the middle of the Alien franchise way too fast. Um, and I don't necessarily think that they have, I think they have moments within those overarching beats that don't make sense like the little comedic moments with LBY, little baby Yoda, um, in the middle of like them running for their lives, it just it felt out of place. And I think the tone throughout this entire first season is kind of jumped all over the place. I think a lot of that is because it feels like the actors are almost acting in different universes at some time. Um, I forget the character's name, but whoever's helping him out, uh, the girl that's helping him out. Oh, the mechanic. At, at, in the hangar, the yeah. mechanic in Tatooine. She seems to be acting in this over-the-top comedic melodrama, and other characters are too, like the little Mando passenger this episode. And then you have this amazing performance by Pedro Pascal um, as the Mandalorian, and it's just, they feel like they're in different universes to me. And I don't know if that's on the actors or the way the scenes are being structured, I think they're trying to nail the like Marvel tone of where it can be action and comedy all at the same time, but they're missing the mark for me. Yeah, I think if you go back and rewatch like the original uh, trilogy, this is kind of it's kind of like this is the way that it was done back then, and I think they're just trying to recapture that same kind of feeling because Boba Fett has always been that kind of like quiet, reserved. Uh, type of character in the Mandalorian is obviously not Boba Fett, but he's within that same kind of uh, within those same boundaries. 
Um, but you have a lot of those characters that were overacted that were like the comedic sort of uh, foil to that. So I think they're trying to recapture that for me. Kind of going along with that, I've always wanted Star Wars to be a little bit darker than it's portrayed in a lot of these movies. So movies like Rogue One, Rogue One is like one of my favorite of the Star Wars franchise because it's one, one of the darker movies, right? Yeah. Um, whereas Episode Seven for me was just like, it was too like happy and it's like we're back and everything like nothing's changed you know and all the all the characters are back and everything and it's like oh there's Luke there's Han there's Leia but it's like there was no like I said it's like candy for dinner there was no actual like substance to it in my mind whereas Rogue One again very dark and like if you've been watching Star Wars you knew what was going to happen at the end and you knew that none of the characters had a chance to live um, but it was still compelling to watch the movie and see what happened anyway. Um, so I've always wanted a little bit of a darker tone in my Star Wars, and I think that might be my big criticism with The Mandalorian, is that it's a little bit... I mean, granted, this is on Disney+. Plus. They're obviously always aiming to bring in like a younger audience, but I've always wanted things to be a little bit darker, so kind of going along with those lines. Um, when you have like those actors that are like overacting in certain parts and things are a little bit too comedic in times when they should be serious, I've kind of wanted things to be a little bit darker. Because when you talk about, you know, you're on Tatooine, right? Um, and they're going to Mos Pelgo, but they also mention Mos Eisley. When they mention Mos Eisley in Episode 4, that's, or, you know, Episode 4 of the movie, uh, A New Hope, they call it, you know, uh, the most villainous hive of, or the most, what is it? Scum and villainy. Yeah. Yeah, the, the most scum villainous and villainy. hive it's of like, scum and villainy. Yeah. yeah, so it's like if that's the case, I want to see some scum and villainy, and some right? Scum, bro. Yeah, it's not just like it's not just a, a little like play acting like Western town where it's like these people are miners and you don't exactly understand like why are they under attack? Like, do they have money? Are they poor? Like, where are they getting all their food from and everything else like that? Like, what would the Tuscan Raiders possibly want from this town? So like, there's some kind of logical inconsistencies. Um, but if there is scum and villainy, then I want to see it. So. Yeah, I, you know, for me, I think, and we got to do our, our power rankings and wrap up here pretty soon. But uh, for me, I, this is something where I feel like the, the makers of Star Wars, whether it was George Lucas, the people doing it now, have always been, since the original trilogy, they're stuck in this really weird place where they're essentially making, it's always had to be, if not for kids, family friendly. Yeah. It has yeah. to be. That's what it is at its core. And that's what it's always been. And like you said, it's on Disney Plus. It's, it's it's a Disney thing now. Not that Disney doesn't make some dark stuff. They actually do. But for this, they're they're not going to. But they also are making something whose core audience is just getting older and older. And we want to see more mature, more interesting, more challenging, more subtle, more gritty, more logical content. And they, they're really stuck in a, in a difficult spot here, I think, when they're making something like this, where they're like... They want to give us that feeling of the original trilogy. But then in order to do that, the original trilogy had, like you said, as many wacky nonsense characters. Like there's a lot of cringeworthy dialogue and overacting and nonsense. Yeah. And I've actually made this same critique that Kale did about the Marvel universe. And as somebody who defends the DC universe a little bit, I know people don't like the tone of the DC movies, but at least they're consistent. People aren't cracking jokes in the middle of people all around them dying, right? And so you're, you're like, yeah, this feels like tonally off, but since they're for kids, they can kind of 
skip over it or whatever. So I think it's tough for Star Wars, man. You're, you're always going to be in the spot where your audience, really your core audience is people in our age range, give or take, you know, five years in either direction, older than me, younger than you guys. And so, <laughs> but they also have to make sure that six and seven-year-olds, the new generation of Star Wars fans can follow along, can understand what's happening, can laugh at the screen every once in a while at Baby Yoda eating the 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 frog eggs, which I thought was really yeah. weird that that was played off as this comedic thing. By the way, this is like uh, <laughs> for me, yeah. it was I don't know. I thought it was in keeping with the franchise because they've always had those really weird moments like that. Right, but like you it said, it's not just the including them. Yeah. yeah, it's not just including like the older crowd, but you know, for lack of a better term, you want to like indoctrinate the children you want them to be lifelong star wars fans as well yeah. so and really they've gotten by on selling a ton of merchandise and things as well so it's not just watching the shows but they want to be able to sell toys that's why like baby yoda has been like such a boon for the franchise because you can sell right. anything baby yoda themed right and people our age will gobble it up and so will kids so yeah. there's always got to be that element that's like when you had uh i think it was episode eight um, what were those little, like, those oh, yeah, little the animals? Porks. I, yeah, porks yeah, or whatever. Oh, my God. That was the worst to me. But it wasn't surprising at all because that's exactly what Star Wars has always done. They've always had, I was gonna say, like, the original you know, movie Chewbacca, movie. where it's like a fuzzy little thing that you can make into a toy, yeah. right? Yeah. So you've always got to have that little something that you can make a piece of merchandise out of, some cute little like offbeat like side animal thing that you can right. market to kids as well so it's not yep surprising nub. to me at all yup not baby all right yep let's nub. power rank our our favorite characters and uh wrap this thing up so far we've got uh five slots we got to decide where they're at as of right now it's how the power rankings work right so so we've got are we just talking about within the new season or all together i mean if it, we could go I, all yeah together. no it's, no it's, i think we should Go season by season. Just characters from season two. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna nominate at spot five real quick here. Someone I think's gotta be on the list, but you know, who knows yet. And, and at first I was like, this is kind of funky, whatever. I'm gonna put Frog Lady on the list at number five. I, I, mean, I thought I was going to hate episodes, Frog Lady. So we don't have a lot of, yeah. We'll see. I mean, like, yeah. if she becomes really endearing in, like, the next three story episodes, maybe. The, maybe. the running into the, even though it obviously led to terrible things, but the getting in the hot springs, taking care of the babies at all costs. Actually, the using of the, uh, the, the draw. Oh, and his microphone's gone again. I think he's yeah. talking about the using of the droid to speak yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, i thought that was a fantastic move uh and i really enjoyed that really smart so on on that intelligence level alone we'll uh slide her into number five i'm okay with that at five a uh, wolf ranking i'm okay with that all right well, well we can push her out if another if a better character comes up here right that's how the power rankings work so you know it, who we got in there at number four you know, me Mechanic Lady, I think, is funny. I was going to say, we um, don't have a lot of other options. So th th There aren't a ton. I think you got to go Mechanic Lady, even if tonally I agree with Kale that, that she's off. Um, uh, I thought my, my line from the last episode, she had, uh, oh, you found another Mandalorian and you killed it. 
uh, I, I thought that was pretty fan. So I enjoy her, her drive, even if it's arguably misplaced. Um, well, then at three, are we slided in our, our old pal Timothy Oliphant there? Are we sliding yeah. him in at number three? He's got to be. Because so. one of those are locked in. Yeah, one and two are locks for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll you, be you're interested gonna to see what order you guys have them in, though. You know what? For right now, I'm going to say maybe was at number two. No way, man. Oh, no, no. Uh, LBY's uh, got to be season? at number one. You're going to get it skewered for that. Baby Yoda's not having the strongest season. First of all, what Little did Baby Yoda do in episode baby one? Yoda. He doesn't have to do anything. He just has he to exist. Do. This and show should be called two, Baby Yoda. committing genocide. <laughs> he spent yeah, almost the kid all of season two. two. Yeah. Or, or episode two. Ending a line. Nah, I'm not. Stop eating that. You're, you're out on, you're out on our, our, our dude. I got to put Baby Yoda at, at number two. I think Mando's having a fantastic season. Took down a crate dragon. And now he's taking on this extra mission to save a line out of honor and duty. Mando's having, Man, a, Mando's having a good year. The jetpack is a big upgrade. He's Just, so yeah. much cooler with the jetpack. The, the jetpack really does. I think the jetpack, the crate dragon... It's too many good. I'm telling. What is walking around and being cute was good enough for a whole first season. That's but all he, did he has to do, though. He was holding dudes up. He, he, he left, lifted that entire beast or whatever. Drew, I don't. I don't think I'm going to change fights. I don't think I'm going to change my rankings. But I appreciate that you're like making a really solid argument for this right now. All Same. of your things you're saying are fair, but. It's it's little baby Yoda, dude. Like <laughs> he's gotta be number do one. Do something, little baby Yoda. Help out. I'm with Drew. I would say I would put the Mandalorian <laughs> at number one. I think that little baby Yoda is like obviously uh, he's the crowd favorite. He's resting and, on his laurels. Uh, thank you. Yeah, he doesn't like he doesn't have to do much, but at the same time, it's kind of like I want to see a little uh, more something more dynamic out of a character than just eating eggs and then like looking around with big eyes and making weird noises. Obviously like this show, honestly it's called the Mandalorian, but this show doesn't make it to season two without baby Yoda because (laughs) not just because of like, you know what it means to the story to keep it going because that's the whole like drive of the show is to like get him back to his people, but also from like a merchandising and like marketing standpoint, Baby Yoda is what everyone has latched onto, and that has really driven the show from like an actual like fan perspective as well. But the Mandalorian is the is the character with the actual like, I guess um, he's multifaceted. Whereas like Baby Yoda is like okay, he's got like this mysterious power that you never know when he's going to use it. But for the most part, he kind of just like sits there and looks around. Like he has like his little moments where like when they're getting in the fight in episode one of season two which I guess is technically chapter nine, um, where he knows that the Mandalorian's about to get in the fight at the, you know, at the, whatever, like the boxing or wrestling ring, whatever it is. And he like pushes the button on his little uh, carrier and like the the top comes up so that he can protect himself and the Mandalorian kicks him away. So he's got like his little moments like that and like eating the eggs. But like, you know, when they were battling the crate Dragon, he didn't do anything. 
And like he's yeah, he doesn't really do anything outside of that. When they get attacked, every time they get attacked, he's not actually doing anything. He's just protecting himself mostly and then he's just no like help going during the spiders. Again. He couldn't he couldn't force throw one spider. No, uh, he is hungry for eggs, man. Yeah, I mean we're we're still waiting on the like rhino moment, right? Where he freezes the rhino in midair. Right. Like we're waiting on that moment this season. Right. So I, I have a feeling we're gonna get it next episode though. Oh yeah. They always it's like that little carrot on a stick that they hold in front of your face. They're just like, mm. remember that time when this happened? Like, is it gonna happen again? <laughs> no, not quite. Oh, what about yeah. next episode though? It might happen next episode. It's gonna happen. Oh no. That's it's the carrot. Like, they keep yeah, they keep holding it and it's like I wanna see a little bit more development out of him as well. So I went through on this one. So All right, I, I guess I have been outvoted. So as of now, we've got at five, we've got Frog Lady, four, right. Mechanic Lady, three, we're rocking our, uh, what's his name? Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth. Uh, two, we've got Little Baby Yoda. And then at number one, we've got the Mandalorian. So that's where we're at this week. Your draft king of the game. <laughs> so he wins season two so far. Uh, all right, well, we're going to go watch some football, but it's been fun doing this. We appreciate everyone hanging out on the Twitch channel with us. Uh, we're going to do these for the rest of the episodes. Not exactly sure exactly what time they're going to be coming out, but hang with us. We'll let you know on social media. We appreciate everyone. Uh, got any questions for us up on social media, at Drew Priestman, at Kale Sorbo, or you just at Guy Kessman, or is there... GD Okay, GD. Uh, so get all that done. Uh, make sure that you're just uh, you're subscribed to the DNVR.com and all that good stuff. Appreciate you hanging out. We'll see you next time, and uh, may the force be with you.